0: Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do sound stuff on my end, so we'll just let it, we'll just let it roll. But I'm gonna use... I can't,
1: I can't see the buttons anymore, so you right. could be, you could be tootling away the whole time and I wouldn't even know.
0: All right, let me use some right Toodle. now. Toodle. Toodle. Ha,
1: ha 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 look at him with his stupid fucking buttons.
2: John thought of the name Beatles and he'll tell you about it now. <laughs> well, I had a vision when I was 12. And I saw the man on a flaming pie... And he said you are
0: Beatles with an A, and we are. All right. Welcome to Flaming Pie, episode five. Beatles for sale. I'm Jason. I'm joined in studio by Leo. Hello. And from California, we have Eric. Hello. We have a special guest this week. uh, My good friend and fellow musician, Al. Hey there. How's it going? Uh, We're doing fantastic. Thank you for joining us.
3: Uh, No no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man this this album needs all the help it can get as far as being (laughs) being promoted, man. Because this thing, I I really feel like this album is uh, super underrated. First of all, we didn't get this album in America until the CDs came out,
4: 1987. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this is another one that was truly bastardized by the uh um, American market and just, you know, like kind of shredded out over multiple albums. Most uh, of it
4: was on 65,
0: Beatles 65, yep. which I guess is actually the better album in a way because it has the two singles on it. Um but that's something we don't really get into here because we basically focus on the um the UK um, releases here. I think
4: it's the the core 13. Is that what it is?
0: It seems like it. Yep. 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 Uh, So this album came out uh, December uh, 1964. At this point, they have basically accomplished. um, (laughs) (laughs) They've recorded three albums and four singles in a year at this point, which is pretty (laughs) fucking amazing, right?
4: Yeah, I think I've written one song in the last like,
0: well there's been issues um but yeah a lot of people when you when you look up this album a lot of people say it's kind of the the weakest or one of the weaker albums out there and um,
4: do they say that because it doesn't have like the peppy hits
0: I think it's kind of because they went from Please, please me, and with the Beatles, which this album is sort of similar to, at, at least in the track layouts, um, some um, originals, and but a lot of covers, and then also sort of encompassing their live act at the time, and then Hard Day's Night, which is all it's it's all Lennon McCartney material. So, sort of to revert back to the the old model of you know some new stuff but a lot of covers and then basically encompassing their live act at the time it's it's almost looked at as a step back am i wrong yeah. here or what i mean nope. this is
1: this would be a kind of thing where if you had a year off after doing hard days night like then you'd come back with your next step but they just had to get right back in there and it didn't matter they weren't at the point where they could say hey we want to slow down and we want to take our time on the next one they just had to deliver the next
0: thing right i mean they were deep in the in the bowels of beatlemania at this point constantly touring um and trying to write material at the same time which is it's obviously uh, not easy and it's kind of one of it's if it's almost like if you would take two covers off this album and put the fucking singles on it how much does that elevate the album right if yeah. this had hit she's a woman and i feel fine on it and you drop two of the covers i mean it's a much better album i feel like
1: we'll drop mr moonlight which is the worst beatles
0: <laughs> okay song. no we're gonna have we're gonna talk <laughs> about mr moonlight man um but Mister! Er-
1: <laughs> moonlight.
0: that shit's impressive
1: um Yeah, well, it's 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 like it doesn't matter where you are, what you're expecting. Like it's just like being stabbed in the ear with an ice pick. The (laughs) intro to that song. Like no matter what you got going on, no matter how quietly you have the volume, it's still just like bam. It's just like ah, damn it, John.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So Eric, do you have uh, just a little bit of the raw facts? Just you know, briefly.
1: Uh, yeah. Early 1964, Beatles had landed in America with their television appearances and demand for their records was through the roof. Uh, and then in June and July, the band played concerts in Denmark, the Netherlands, and Hong Kong. Uh, toured guy. Australia and New Zealand, famously with a replacement drummer because Ringo was uh, sick or something. I don't know. Maybe that Tons- Ringo He had to-
0: tonsillitis oh. and they had Jimmy Nichols. I thought in, maybe he was like, with them.
4: due to his sensitive stomach. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he only eats, what does Ringo, only eats boiled beans. potatoes and white and bread beans. and beans.
4: Yeah. <laughs> beans
1: on toast. Uh, yeah, he had trouble in India. Like, where's, where's me boiled potatoes? <laughs> um, <laughs> came back to Britain with a series of radio and television engagements to promote A Hard Day's Night. Uh, a few more concerts in Sweden. And began recording Beatles for Sale, the new album in London, in mid-August only to immediately go back out on tour in North America.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, they were super busy. So it was, <laughs> that's why this album is is the way it is, I feel like. Um, so at the time, um, and then later, uh, mostly in that 1980s uh, Playboy uh, interview, John referred to this as their kind of country-western album, and you can definitely, definitely hear that. Mm-hmm. on it um so while they were on tour in the US they were i mean anytime you go to a new country you're going to listen to the the radio stations and they loved you know american music across the board so they were trying to uh digest as much as they could and they were really listening to a, um a lot of country and western on the radio also while they were um on tour they um met up with dylan uh while they were in new york so this is you know it's pretty an, a pretty infamous meeting where he said um, hey
1: have you guys heard about this thing called weed
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep and um it kind of because they had been kind of like uh, rum and coke or scotch guys before this and pills and amfetib- yeah speed um and I think that's kind of why I like this album, too, because you can really start to feel a little bit of that, that weed seeping in. you know? Weed
1: introspection, yeah.
0: Yep. Um, apparently... Put some, put
4: some larger gaps in those synapses, Right.
0: Uh, Paul, after getting a little high, uh, basically forced Mal Evans to follow him around, taking notes on uh, all his introspective thoughts. And, uh, yeah, and
1: this is when Paul just... Discovered that there
0: were seven levels, right? There are indeed seven levels. That was a pres- that was almost the title of this podcast. Seven levels. <laughs> seven levels. But I figured that was levels. a little too deep of a cut. Um, but uh, Dylan, after meeting them, also sort of. I mean, it was a very symbiotic meeting. They took a little bit, and he took a little bit, um, and he saw that this was where basically music was going. So the Newport Folk Festival was after this meeting right
1: yeah right that would have been 65 that's like uh what was it may 65 or something correct I feel like early summer yes late spring right. so yeah it took it took a while for dylan to uh be like coming out with his uh his beetle bit ba- beetle backing band
0: right right
1: um how much of a sheltered elite do you have to be where bob dylan actually has to be the one to give you your first joint no,
0: It's harder to get weed in like, the UK. It's like my, I, I
1: got my my first joint from President Bill Clinton. <laughs> like, no, nobody else could have done it for me but him. I wouldn't have trusted anyone else.
0: Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Leo, do you want to break no, down no, the your uh, dealer? No, yeah. And if it's Dylan, all the better. <laughs> Leo, let's break down the cover on this bad boy. All right.
4: So, this cover, it's the. Um, hold on. We'll cut this part because I'm spacing out here.
0: You're good. Yeah, right here. Jesus, I want to talk
1: about the the unipack, or I mean, I guess this isn't a proper unipack. A unipack has an edge that folds over, but uh, it is a gatefold with the record sliding out of the in- inside right here, rather than on the outside.
0: Beautiful as usual, Eric. Thank you.
1: So
4: the first thing you notice is uh, George Harrison's little like turnip top. Yeah, his turnip like, top. How did he do that? <laughs> apparently, it was a mystery. <laughs> A magical mystery right. um so yeah so this is uh wow it's head? robert freeman
0: again right yeah
4: so so this is a robert freeman photo um sorry I'm, I'm, my, my notes are all jacked up that's all right so yeah we said this album didn't come out until in the states until 87 so it might not be such a widely known image right but it is again uh, a Robert Freeman photo, which is the Beatles' favorite photographer. Um, one notable thing about this is he captures their kind of sullen, sulky faces, their road-weary faces from being on tour and being just basically run down to hell.
0: Yeah, they look beat up for sure. Um, he
4: captured this photo in Hyde Park in London.
0: Absolutely
4: bags under their eyes yeah yeah and also like the the, the print of, of the name of the album and the name of the band are very small uh on the cover which is kind of an interesting note
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool uh
4: the gatefold is a photo of the band standing in front of a montage of photographs
1: at twickenham film studios so. which they will yeah yeah. That's- thank you for uh, discovering that it's a pre-existing collage that was on the wall i guess uh Yeah, it's pretty
4: trippy and pretty. Yeah, it looks it
1: looks it looks almost psychedelic in context. I guess it's just one of those things where pre-existing things kind of lined up in an interesting way when they cropped it. You know.
0: Yeah, it's a weird, almost like precursor to Sergeant Pepper in a way, with all the notable heads of the of the past kind of. And I think that Robert Freeman.
4: May have been like in in a tree or behind a tree for this photo.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, the
1: back the back cover. is up in a tree. Yeah. Wow. Looking down through the branches. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I saw that back cover. Um, I put
1: a link in the in the document that you can if you click on you see the uncropped photo. So it's just a little bit more
0: of the. Yeah. Great, great. And as um, as uh, usual, we are still looking the robert freeman archive yes please return it to us no questions yeah, we
1: made some significant significant discoveries that we'll be uh, teasing on future episodes
0: right wait to that episode 23 um so what uh we'll kind of go around the uh board here what's everyone's kind of personal history with the album or kind of like any of the notable hits uh, from this album, we'll start with you, Al.
3: I don't know that I have a personal history with the album so much, or even the hits. Just, it's just something I listen to a lot. I guess um, you and I listened to it a lot <laughs> about thirty years ago. Yeah, we did. For some um, reason. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why either. I, I, it's because my dad had it on CD, and it was I, I was late to the CD game, and he had a lot of Beatles CDs, and I just went and burned them all, <laughs> and just listened to a bunch of them all in a short. Short period of a couple of years, where I like, immersed myself in the Beatles. Probably around like 20 years old or so, right? And you, and and, this was definitely one of them.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of why it was like when I think of this album, I kind of think of those times, like finding like deeper cuts of the Beatles. And this was Uh-oh. kind of this felt like deeper cuts for me. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah. There aren't a lot of big hits on here. Not really. Not really. Um not Eric, the, big, the big ones.
0: Right. I guess eight days a week would be about the <laughs> yep. the, the biggest that one. That probably year. is the biggest.
4: Rock and roll music, maybe. I've heard maybe. That
3: a lot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eric? The other thing I would say about this, for some reason, I, for some reason, the cover always makes me think like it should be like the Bee Gees Massachusetts cover or something. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. It doesn't look like the actual Bee Gees cover, but it just makes me feel that
0: that song, well, yeah, you're right, that song's very cold and
3: tired. <laughs> yeah, and it's the outfits and, in, the, in the background, <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. Um, Eric, do you have any history with this, the album, per se? Yeah, or? same
1: deal. I mean, I uh, probably heard it once or twice in the 90s, and then you know, it's, it's, it's the thing that you hear once you're trying deliberately to hear the deeper cuts of the Beatles, in my experience, and I don't think I ever, I must've owned it on vinyl like 15 or 20 years ago. And then eventually I bought the mono box set. So that kind of replaced everything in my collection almost. Yeah,
0: (laughs) It's a beautiful box set, Eric. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, Leo, um, what what do you think?
4: Yeah, I don't really have much of a history either. Other than hearing eight days a week and probably rock and roll music. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I have I'm familiar with this album at all. Right. Prior to diving in before, you know we decided to do this podcast. Yeah, for this,
0: <laughs> man. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm like I I've pretty much already mentioned I'm pretty much in the same boat. No one really had this before CDs, and my dad didn't have it, so I didn't hear it. But I did hear Beatles sixty five.
4: Yeah, I think I think Definitely one of the few CDs, like being late to the CD game myself, much like Al, um, I discovered CDs by like my uncle who had left behind a bunch of, I think he went to prison, but he left behind a bunch of CDs (laughs) and 65 was definitely in there.
0: Right, right. So I think this is the first episode where we're really going to put just a little bit more weight behind these singles. Um, not just because they would fill the album out better, but because both of these singles feature kind of uh, musical milestones that deserve to be touched upon. Um, and Yes. Yeah, I guess I didn't put all my notes up for these singles, but I'm going to break the ice here and start talking about I Feel Fine, um, recorded October 18th. Um, so... As we go through this, we'll start hearing the date October 18th come up. It was kind of a, a day they used to just try to bang out all the covers, but they also recorded this one new song, I Feel Fine. Uh, John came into the studio with the riff and the melody, and they kind of just worked, they just kind of hashed it out in the, in the studio.
4: This is not the first time where they started writing in the studio incomplete songs, is it?
0: Um, no, I don't. Wow, good, good question. This that I this... feel like
1: that came up on the last one. Like there was uh, an example, okay. right?
0: Okay. But this is still
1: pr- for more information. Check out the Flaming Pie podcast. <laughs> okay, I was there. I just did not retain any of the information.
0: Right, uh, but outside it being base uh, a basic blues song, what really stands out on this is obviously the the opening the feedback. The feedback. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the feedback, everyone. So they were both, John and uh, George had electrified acoustic. They called them the Everleys, the, the Everly Brothers model. That's what they called them uh, within the Beatles. It has a fancy name, but it was basically the guitars the Everly, Everly Brothers used. Uh, and the famous story was they were going off to lunch. John set his guitar down against an amp. The E string or an E note basically started to ring out, and they were all aghast. Basically, like, (laughs) right? Can we do that?
4: Well, I'd never.
0: (laughs) So yeah, the the John will go on to to claim, and I'm not sure the veracity of the statement that this is the first feedback on record, at least in a rock and roll, R and B, pop setting. Is that? anyone have any claims against that
4: blues recording or something that i think i think john lennon even says that at some point
0: right right
4: aside from like an old blues record or something
0: right and of course they were using feedback on stage when you would play live that was just a common thing that would just happen but the ability to kind of control it i guess is is really what he's talking about here Uh, Do you guys want to hear a little bit of I Feel Fine or what?
4: I want to hear that feedback.
0: Let's get into the mood a little bit. Fuck yeah. Okay, so shit. Even without the feedback, those harmonies just make <laughs> make that song, man.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's, the it's
3: intro got, riff too.
1: Yeah, yeah it's got that tricky little tricky little riff. We're we we're both gonna say the same thing.
3: So. Yeah, exactly. Like, even without the feedback, the intro riff is just cool, anyways, and, and a lot different than what we've heard from them
1: prior leo you should learn this riff i don't know if you have but like you know it's got that leo stretch thing going on you have to go <laughs> do, do, do and then you have to the piano a fingers. The yeah that's that's definitely uh that's one for your hand all right i will uh look it
4: up immediately
1: yeah have it have it worked out by the time i get there all right
0: but um speaking of that george and john would would kind of like Basically kind of double each other, um, which makes it sound really great and full on the recording. And then also live, I, I, I watched a few different recordings of our uh, videos of these guys playing it live. And it was just amazing that just the intricacy of that riff um, to be playing that and singing at the same time is is amazing. Um, the drum pattern is is awesome definitely of I would think definitely something of note um it was kind of one of the beats that they almost I guess they uh, auditioned Ringo with because that was a a beat that was sort of used back a lot back in the back in the day and I really feel this song is basically inspired uh by the song watch your step have you heard this yeah,
1: let's well, hear a little of Watch Your Step. Let's hear
0: this.
2: Oh, yeah. It's insane,
0: right? Okay. The song is going hard into my rotation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good jam. Would you get sued today for for recording? I feel fine after (laughs) after something like that. I just feel like that is a pretty. um,
1: It's follow. It follows it pretty closely. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Uh, What was that song called? Uh, watch your step. I have the artist's name right here, Bobby Something. oh my Christ. Bobby Parker. Bobby Parker. Bobby Brown. It will be on the <laughs> it will the be King on of the. Soul. It'll be on the Spotify playlist for everyone to enjoy. Uh, you'll see that in the show notes and links. Uh, not to belabor the point. Or just talk about influences that are just kind of floating around this song. Uh, Let's just hear a little of this. I think we all know this song. Obviously, know Ray Charles' 1959 hit, What I Say. It's fucking awesome. But let's just hear him real quick. When's he going to sing? <laughs> God damn it, Ray. Blaster of suspense. Fuck, this is, this is always a jam. It's that offbeat. Yep.
1: Right? H- hitting the rim on the offbeat.
0: Yeah, it's not just the... These old drum heads, drummer heads were fucking insane. All right, we don't have time for you right now, Ray. Um,
1: I, I have the exact same uh, Wurlitzer model that he used over, just right over to my right. I, don't, I can't play the song, but I could roughly
0: make the sound. I do not doubt that in the slightest. So, yeah, this was a number one hit for six weeks in the UK. It did some damage in the U.S. as well. Not quite as much. Um, But, yeah. Guys, final thoughts on I Feel Fine. This is a single. We shouldn't even be talking about it this much. (laughs) It's part of this album story. It still is, yes. Sure. Final thoughts? Fuck, let's move on to She's a Woman, recorded October 8th um <laughs> okay so talk about a, a artistic Flex uh Paul was on his way to the studio blah 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 I'm Paul McCartney Paul McCartney he wrote this in the studio. He wrote the whole song basically in the, in in the studio on the spot um and you can. this is one of the first songs where Paul's bass really starts to take the lead in the in the whole melange of the song um the the guitar in this should we hear a little she's a woman should we hear a little she's a woman first to get into the, the mood of it or or what
4: yes, yes we should hear it. all
0: right Piano, that's gotta be george martin right yeah can you guys hear it pretty well on your end or what
3: no right. <laughs> i can hear it but not that well
0: all right well the piano kind of dropped in there right at that
1: <laughs> that part which no i heard is... the piano uh, apparently that's paul on piano
0: oh interesting wow um that guitar right it sounds like um like a ska riff Almost to me. Staccato stabbing, Just the way it's just like like smashing that. Um, just kind of smashing on it. It's, yeah, it's Both awesome. these
1: songs have a heavy, you know, kind of emphasis on the offbeat.
0: Right. Um, they kind of start on the onbeat, though, and then switch to the offbeat, which is kind of like, it's like there's a, a little hiccup right at the beginning, which like sort of drops you into the song, which is just sick. Um, yeah the this is often outside of i feel fine noted as one of their first experimental recordings in the studio uh and it's because of that piano kind of drops in out of nowhere and then becomes like a music uh, like a, a a bed basically a sonic like um yeah just a fucking sonic bed um the the lyrics when you listen to it are a little dark uh, as as far as like coming from Paul. He's been, been pretty upbeat to this point, but these are, they're not quite misogynistic, but they're like, there's trouble here.
3: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's trying to keep up with John.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Oh, punchy. They called him. Right. Um, John's contribution was to add the term turns me on when I get jealous um, Turn Me On was, uh, a drug reference back in the day, and, um, Dylan had already sort of been kind of combing through the Beatles' lyrics, looking for drug references. I forget which one he thought was, but wasn't, but now John's saying, fuck you, this definitely is, um... He
1: thought I Can't Hide was... Oh, yeah, invent- I Get high.
0: that's exactly, thank you, Eric, that's exactly what it was. Um... She's a woman. Any thoughts before we get into the album proper?
1: No, these songs are cool and fuck yeah, you know.
0: absolutely.
3: Take us yeah, into the I record. I definitely agree.
0: All right, so let's uh, let's get into the the album proper now. I think uh, I think we've we've waited long enough. So, what a unique way to kind of start an album. <laughs> we have. No Reply, uh, recorded September 30th, 1964. Um, So John wrote this while he was on holiday in Tahiti uh, with George. In the 1980 Playboy interview, um, John recalls the lyrics were sort of inspired by the Rays song, Silhouettes, from 1957. Uh, The Rays were a doo-wop group, uh, I guess if you've watched, geez, what, what, where would you have heard Silhouette? I guess if you're uh, a fan of, you know, classic rock radio, I'm not sure if it showed up in any sort of Steven Spielberg 80s movie, but it just has that, like, Goodfellas, doo wop vibe. I can see how he was inspired by it a little bit, and uh, we'll just give a little taste of uh, the Ray's silhouettes. It's like Al has dropped out, maybe. Ghosted. Yeah, he ghosted us. Doesn't like do up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should hear where at least the beginnings of uh, No Reply came from. Like uh, like an early version of it. Uh, it's just see, see how fast um, it progressed.
2: No Reply, take One. Two, three, four, one. This happened once before, but I can do your door reply. They said it wasn't you, but I saw you be Your window. I saw the light. I know
0: that you saw me. Okay, you can hear it's very like square, right? You're yeah. like floor on the floor. Um. I definitely like where they where they took it. and I, yeah, they, yeah, they
1: said this needs to be, like, sad. This needs to be, like, a sad <laughs> song. It feels
3: this sad. Feels,
1: this feels way too good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it goes from fairly generic to, like, kind of really super interesting texturally and sonically. And, I mean, I also want to kind of give John a shout-out for the great leap forward here, is that this is another, like, john is being cucked song but he doesn't respond with violence <laughs> he, he actually this is a much healthier a much healthier he's not like he's not making death threats he's not like no. winding up his fist he's not lining up his knuckles <laughs> correct uh he's just getting sad he's just like i feel sad like he's which working is through correct, his, he's working through his sadness through song yeah let's yeah it's right? It's, this is emotional growth. If, if you can feel sadness without immediately transmuting it into violent rage, then you've grown as a person, you know?
3: And if you wait about four minutes, he tells us he's a loser. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually like now he's just being a toxic male again. He's like, oh, look what you, you, you turn me into such a loser.
3: Right.
0: <laughs> but let's hear, before Slippery we get there. I think we should hear a little, um, a little growth maybe.
2: This happened once before When I came to your door No reply They said it wasn't you But I saw you peep through Your window I saw the light I saw the light I know that you saw me As I looked up to see Your face I tried to telephone They said you were not home That's a lie Cause I know where you've been I saw you walk in Your door
0: much to like about this song I, I can't even where do you begin uh, just that huge the jump
1: in, the jump into the chorus
0: yeah and
1: it inverts you know how I was saying on the last one is like they would have kind of a major key into a minor key uh, well, or I'm sorry I meant to say you know how on the last one they would go minor to major and the major would be the big jump this inverts that and the minor is the big punch you know a minor is the big punch
0: that mm-hmm. sucks you. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, in I, because I'm a drummer and I'm less intelligent than all you, um, <laughs> guitar players and keyboard players and whatnot. Um, I I just I hear the uh, quiet loud yeah. quietness of like the yeah, Pixies dynamic. or yeah, just dynamic. like huge. Yeah, or, like that's a huge fucking pop. amazing, man. Like who's Who's fucking around with stuff like that back then? Like to that and they level. They made the right
3: choice. They made the right choice to change that drum beat at the beginning too into that sort of samba, whatever Bossa nova. Bossa I don't nova even know what that's head. called. But yep. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, instead of the uh, like the straight ahead, but then they they yep. do kind of go into straight time during the um yep. the chorus, and then the bridge is like almost kraut rocky with the like mm. um. The, the clapping. hand claps in that too? Yep, yep, the yeah. hand claps. The aggressive aggro hand claps. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, just one of my absolute favorite Beatles songs, man. And again, it just hides on this album. I didn't.
4: I wasn't aware how much I liked the song until that last chord. And then I was just like, oh, that was a fucking brilliant way to end the song. And <laughs> the first time I heard it, I had to like listen to it again a couple more times just to be like, yeah, that's a fucking
1: solid song, man
0: yep
1: yep this is um this is a new level of beetle magic i would say
0: absolutely um one last note this was slated to potentially be one of the singles um from uh you know from this project but um it was of course supplanted by i feel fine guys should we move on to i'm a loser yeah one two punch man seriously um do you want to hear i'm a loser just like uh right off the bat here just to get into the mood or what?
1: Yeah, drop it. Oh. Let's just
0: try that. Let's see. I'm
2: a, loser. I'm a loser and I'm not what I appear to be. In the end
5: I'm a loser. <laughs> oh
0: my God you said it, Eric, one two punch, and they managed to go from you know just playing around in a demo uh eight takes later, they had I'm a loser. That's to me is crazy, right? Little magic
5: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, just indulge me for one second here because I'm going to play with some buttons, all right? Uh-huh. Just take, oh, take seven. No,
2: just- ready? I'm ready now for <laughs> what is this, hey, Revolution 9? <laughs> George, you ready? George, you ready?
0: Seven. Seven.
2: I'm a, <laughs> I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Of all. Yeah.
0: So, hey, no one's perfect. Uh, yeah, so, that
1: doesn't sound, you yeah. know, one of the key things I think the Beatles learned is that uh, to make a good song, you have to play it continuously all the way through and not just stop playing We like, <laughs> got typical, it. Um, you know, that, that was a major moment where they're like, what if we just keep playing and don't make any mistakes?
0: Yeah, let's just try <laughs> to be better. <laughs> so in the, the, again, with this 1980s Lennon interview, um uh, John says this is me and my Dylan period um, and you can totally hear it um, you can hear this up on YouTube or whatever he's saying part of me feels or part of me suspects I'm a loser and part of me thinks I'm God Almighty um, and definitely in this song and in, in this whole album you can hear um, both the country music and Dylan um uh of it, you know, just the the influence, you know. Uh, but
1: this this also has, it's not as extreme as the last one, but does have that kind of dynamic thing where like the really insistent hi-hat comes in on the chorus and like you know, right. a lot of propulsion a good dynamic jump like they you can feel the kind of like Beatlemania effect of like when to punch in the punch to a higher level in the songs is like instinctual yeah. at this point
3: absolutely you can almost hear the screams of the crowd there yeah <laughs> like it they're, goes from the country field to hey the beatles are here now again
0: yeah but you're right they're like like writing a comedy bit they're basically leaving the gap in for the either the mm-hmm. applause or the laughter in this case the screaming um this
3: is uh, of, paul paul really switches up the bass in that part too
0: yeah, yeah, he's from definitely
3: the, from the country style to all of a sudden it goes into that walking. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it's amazing. Uh, it's one, Fuck, man, it's one of my favorites for sure. Um, mm-hmm. you, this is John's last harmonica solo for anyone who is a huge harmonica fan. Um, nope, yeah, it. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> no more harmonica. I, I'm fine that it's basically gone outside of Rocky Raccoon, it shows up but I feel a little mm. bit more tastefully. I left,
4: I left my ham sandwich at home.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sorry for that. Um, I was pointing out to Leo the other night uh, where John really, I, I don't know from keys or not, but John really goes into some of his lowest registers of singing. Yeah, he hits
1: a very low note on this one. Mm. Yep. Never have
0: lost. I, and, and that's just awesome. That's just like, it's. I can feel it in my, in my guts. And supposedly... Uh, the next time he does that is on "Happiness is a Warm Gun."
1: Yeah, there are there's a lot of really high notes on this album from him. I mean, obviously Mr. Moonlight has a big, huge treble hit, but um, when we get to it, I'll remember which Paul song has like a really, you know, I'm uh, some "Oh Darling" style screaming from Right.
0: Paul. Right. Uh, before we move on to the next track, uh, the original pressing of Beatles for Sale is actually misprinted as "I'm a Loser" with, with two Loser with two S's. Yeah, Loser. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Eric, I know you're a big vinyl head. Keep your eyes peeled. Is it? No, this do you is correct. This, this is
1: corrected. This is the All right, sorry. 2014 mono repressing.
0: Oh my God, guys! Babies in Black up next. Uh, recorded August 11th uh, so this was the first song they actually tackled f- uh, for the album uh, it's six eight or three four time if you prefer the waltz timing um, and you know I think I said the last in the last episode that uh, this was something that that was some of the last time they went face to face on a mic. But this was another one where they just decided to get in each other's fucking faces, and uh, when you if you watch the Shea Stadium uh, uh, recordings of this, they that's how they sing it live too on on one mic, and it's it's awesome. They
4: recorded this one with one mic, right? Yeah, that's to Capture the feel, right? The real like
0: sound that they envisioned or that they executed live, right? Um again just one of my one of my favorites man I I, I don't know yeah. if I just like these moody ass Beatles tracks but um let's let's hear a little babies in black let's do this.
2: So weird.
0: Of him, dude. Okay, so supposedly, oh, hold on. Sorry, bring it back. <laughs> There's Jesus that. do? oh my god, fuck. I could just like, I'm just gonna keep it kind of in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this song is badass. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my
3: favorites from this, for sure.
1: So it's a one, two, three punch,
0: actually. Yeah, man, they just keep so gut-punching us outside of the covers, and there's still some good covers. Um, but just, this is a moody fucking album. Um, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah,
4: <you mean laughs> I from the, from the cover photo? To yeah,
0: the, it just exu- <laughs> it exudes, like, a feel. Um... I love the again I love the harmonies it, it's just they're just Paul is just at the upest most peak of his register trying to just and there's just something I was on the bridge definitely yeah and there's something about John's nasally attack yeah. and Paul's purity that just is like it's bitter it's it's like sweet and bitter at the same time uh, yep. And, it's, and fucking, it's one where the harmonies
3: go the entire song, too. Absolutely. Uh,
0: and it just swings. Uh, Ringo is not just playing a straight, like. Right. The dude is fucking. Man, he's, he's Ringo is. Yeah, he's swish swashing, you know?
3: Uh um, yep. even breaks it down towards the end. It takes out the hi-hat and the cymbals and just kind of yep. does a little breakdown. That's yep. good.
0: Yeah, he does. I'm there's not a sure weird
3: thing I noticed listening in headphones that I, I don't know if I ever noticed it before or not, but during that part, there's a low guitar just doing bends, just going... <laughs> brown, brown. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that, because even the... um uh, The solo part, right. The solos and then George's, like, little... um I don't know what you call them, fills or whatever. Little embellishments. Yeah. Where he's, like... Just, I don't know if it's a whammy bar, but those, it's awesome. It I sounds think he's like he's just a, doing
3: bends, but they're very country style bends that are cool.
0: Yeah, they're awesome. Is it like a slide bend or? Uh, I, don't no, I don't know. I think he's just bending it. Yeah. yeah. He
4: might do a little like pre bend thing where he bends a note before he
0: hits it. It's right? fucking yeah. sick, dude. It feels, its again, it's off putting. It's just, it feels like yeah. a audio haunted house or something, you know?
3: <laughs> right. And he does he yep. does those same things during that breakdown towards the end. He does a, kind of the same thing but like an octave lower or something. He does they're really low. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yep. Um so uh, all good things must kind of not come to an end, but we got to move on. <laughs> um combo breaker. Okay. <laughs> we have a little combo breaker here but there is some juice to this next track, which is rock and roll music. Um, so recorded October 18th. So I briefly mentioned earlier they used the 18th as a marathon session to get through all the covers. And I feel fine in one fucking, I think it was either nine or 12 hour session. Okay. Rock and roll music was done just like twist and shout in one take. Um, they used this song to open their live show um, through most of their uh, through '66, st- right? Absolutely, this is one. I of was th-
1: just I was just watching Candlestick
0: Park today. Great show, man!
1: Uh, it's what what a bummer that you know to have the Ronettes on the tour, but no no Veronica, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they were. Uh, please uh, join us on our.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, what's uh, what's the. Uh, Bigger than Jesus episode.
0: <laughs> I was going to say our other Ronette podcast. I was trying to think of a f- uh, punny name for our did Ronette
3: uh, podcast that is fake. <laughs> be, my, be my little podcast.
5: Yeah, thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> nothing but Ronette. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, I like Ronette. <laughs> so... Rock and roll music uh done in one take. Uh let me cue this bad boy up. We all know it. Um let's just hear it though. Let me hear some other rock and- Against oh, it's that right there, right? Okay, it's so it's the slap. It's some of that slap back, some slap back delay, a quick echo. Yeah, that really makes it. Um, I, yeah, this, it's
1: a, it's a John Screamer, but I would say maybe a lesser John Screamer.
0: Right, right. Um. But really, uh, an uptick from the original. Let's just give Chuck uh, a second here. Let's
4: give
0: a minute,
2: Chuck. Uh-huh. Any old way you choose it. It's gotta back, you can't lose
0: it. Any old time you use it. It's gotta
2: be rock rolling more music keyboards. If you wanna dance, with me, if you wanna dance. With I have no kick against my And unless they try to play it too darn fast, and change the beauty of the melody, until it sounds just like a symphony, that's why I go for that rock and roll
0: here. Okay, so Chuck is slapping back, too. He's slapping back. Nice. Yeah,
1: the, the Beatles kind of bring the, the beat up more, uh, their version. Right. The worst version is probably the Beach Boys' 1976 version. Can we uh, put that if, on
0: the a Spotify playlist? To yeah, hear, put it on the
1: Spotify. Um,
0: how much there is like a good
1: version, but the the version they put on the album "15 Big Ones" really stinks. Right. Uh, but there's a legendary single mix called the Hot Mix that uh, I think has a prominent saxophone arrangement from Roy Wood of the Move. Right. Right. Um, so uh, that's that's for our 70s Beatles, 70s Beach Boys podcast.
0: Absolutely. Um, And if you don't mind another quick sidebar, I love a saxophone as a bass line, which I should have mentioned during our last episode of Collapse Out. Uh, There was a lot of
1: saxophone on that episode.
0: There was, and that's uh, on Collapse Out, our other podcast, where we broke down Women's Month via mixtape, where we had both uh, my wife and Leo's wife, um, Mickey, and Heather Q on, you must go uh, to Collapse Out to hear that. It right? was now fantastic.
4: pause on this episode. Go listen to that whole thing, then come back, and then press unpause.
0: Let's not, you know, we don't need to fight between podcasts. So, guys, um, Rock and Roll Music is a, a great track, but it is a cover. So we will move on um, to the next track, which is a awesome. sleeper. Listen. No, this is a sleeper banger, bro. Uh I'll follow I love it. Yeah, I love
1: I'll follow the sun.
0: I'll follow the sun recorded October 18th, 1964. Um coming in at a minute and 49 seconds with a guitar solo. This song is amazing because it doesn't feel rushed at all. It's it will like envelop you. It like gives you a little uh hug and it's it's an amazing paul paul wrote this when he was about 16 years old and they slept on it for fucking like three albums and like a normal person this would be like their shit this is what they would start with you know
4: this is a sweet little song now um are we going to hear some of this
2: yeah
0: Guys, <laughs> come on, yeah, right? Sounds great.
4: I don't know why this song wasn't put at the very end of the album. I mean, I think it would it be, be a killer yeah, closer, yeah. Better totally. than the one they got, yeah.
1: Either yeah, that, absolutely. or at least at the end yeah. of
4: side one, or something just like something at the end of a side of an album, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah it's a yeah, a closer would have been awesome. This is, we're deep into a run of like the Paul acoustic songs, right? And obviously yep. we're leading up to the big one, which is yesterday. But uh, we had, and I love her and then this one, and then I've just seen a face is coming up on the next album. Like that, right. that's a really fertile uh, vein for Paul is just like these kind of folky acoustic numbers
0: yeah, they're amazing man they're just like stripped down and, and beautiful and he you know all the way to the white album or and beyond you just this is just like it's pure Paul and the fact yeah. that he was doing this at 16 you can feel uh, what he uh, mentions when reminiscing about this song basically just kind of coming back from having a cold smoking a cigarette and looking out the window you know i can almost feel that you know what i mean uh i'll follow the sun is amazing and i can't believe they slept on it for so long again yeah that's crazy so so they're they're hurting us here so we get an amazing track uh and then another cover um we get mr moonlight up next recorded August, august 14th uh 1964 Four takes because this was in their set and had been for, um, you know, since the Cavern Club, since uh, the Kaiser Keller in Hamburg, since all those sleazy. I can and can you imagine the Beatles doing Mister Moonlight again within these German bars where everyone's fucking. You know, there's everyone's going crazy. They're all drunk as fuck.
4: Um, I, I heard this is where. Some of the Beatles, like during these these shows, is where they developed uh, an affinity for German beer,
0: German beer, and putting toilet seats over their head and playing in the <laughs> at least semi-nude. Um, I, a lot of people don't will say that this is the worst track on the album. I reserve. Yes, I will. Eric, being one of those people, I reserve it for another track. Um, I won't spoil it, but let's
4: let's talk l- about that sweet, sweet organ solo that Paul plays.
0: We won't make the- it that far <laughs> enough into the song, but let's hear a little Mr. Moonlight. Mr.
1: Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> that now? Well, it was just like in Back to the Future. Right? You know, just playing Mr. Moonlight, and the guys screaming, taking his headphones off.
0: Hold on, wait though. I mean, it's. It's the.
5: No, you don't come my way.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree.
3: I like that part. Yeah.
0: You can hear John's voice just fucking just shredding. I'm from above you, love. I like Ringo's big. Oh, and that's George playing an African drum matching um, Ringo's snare um, hits know that drum, Alcat? Yeah, they must have just had it lying around the
3: studio. like a lot I don't like all the vocal harmonies in it. It's weird. I think this that's my problem weird. with it. But yep. <laughs> yeah, hold on, wait, wait, like wait, 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 wait. at all. Fuck yeah. Yep, I like that. So yeah, yeah th- a
4: solid, solid right there from
2: John that. Yeah,
3: it's all those low monotone sounding harmonies. I don't like in it, Mister Moonlight. Yeah, that's very. That yeah, that's very like
0: strange. It. That's definitely. It sounds better. like it's
3: like three Ringos singing. singing back <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's exactly what I get from the organ
0: too. It's just like
4: meh, <laughs> meh,
0: meh, meh. Yeah, the organ solo in it, played by Paul on the Hammond, is fucking whack. I will totally give you that. Did we already say that this was four takes for Mr. Moonlight? If,
1: also, they had taken an earlier crack at it and then came back to it. So, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. You know, that they didn't like that they weren't demoralized enough by the first attempt to, like, no, we got to get Mr. Moonlight right.
0: Okay. So maybe you haven't, maybe this is what it is. You haven't heard the original version of um, Mr. Moonlight performed by Dr. Feelgood in the interns. Um, really, Motley Crue? Please, in, yeah, wow. Please indulge me.
1: He's the one you call Dr. Field.
5: <laughs> <Moonlight. laughs>
0: you me Dude, I love it. Yeah, this is better. This is better. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, John's just trying. It's like he's just copying the record. You know, he just, that sounds cool. I want to do that.
0: Do yourself a huge favor and Google Doctor Feelgood and his funky interns. Yes, piano red. Okay, so, dude, I love how they are taking these fucking. This is a pretty deep cut, man. Um, from. You know, American soul and deep, deep Um, R&B. I'll defend it. Ringo is playing a packing case as opposed to (laughs) his drum kit. He's put the drum kit aside and decided to play fucking luggage. Um, Not exactly sure why, but um, that's at least what Derek Taylor um, credits on the liner notes. Let's not... (laughs) beleaguer the point and move on to the next cover um carl perkins oh oh, jesus fucking kansas city hey hey hey. let's move on to the next cover (laughs) kansas city hey 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 by originally by little richard um so the beatles would have seen little richard perform this during his uk tour that we also discussed on Collapse Out Podcast when we talked to Johnny Eccles of the band Love, where he discusses being friends with Little Richard, being on that said UK tour, having to, I won't spoil it, go to Collapse Out out and... Hear it from the source. Hear it from the source, not just this rambling ass. So, um, like rock and roll music, this was Paul's one take um, for the album, um, recorded October 18th in that Maris marathon session. Um, this was recorded at the nine hour, um, like pretty close to the nine hour mark of the, uh, session. Um, little Richard, uh, little Richard's version of this is, um, is amazing. Um, you guys have a uh, have a preference? Do you want to hear? What do you want to hear first? Little Richard or the Beatles? Let's hear Little Richard. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. go Little Richard first. Guys, yeah, that shit's hot, man. I mean, you can't beat Little Richard. Um, but no, the, I'll
3: take Little Richard on this one.
0: I will take Little Richard, but we <laughs> will give the Beatles their due.
2: Five six
4: seven eight nine you can, Are, you can hear the like the uh
0: that bye ang- anglo bye, bye, deception. Bye. <laughs> So long so long I'm not gonna let that drift in drift in no, no it's true I mean it's a different version it's not quite as soulful for That's sure that guy Elvis
4: man he had so much soul Oh my <laughs> god
0: Oh my god did we lose Al again no, sorry. No, I'm here. All right, Jesus Christ, So here, <laughs> guys? Can you believe it? We are, at, flip that record. Let's flip this. Let's flip this over to uh, side B.
4: <laughs> oh,
0: here we go. Um, so one of the most outstanding tracks from the album. Uh, if you're gonna hear any of these songs on the radio from this album, it's probably gonna be this one, or perhaps rock and roll music. I am talking about eight days a week uh, recorded October 6th and 18th of 1964. 13 takes to get through this one. Um, I didn't know this. Uh, This was originally planned as the title track for the upcoming film. They were already thinking about Help, which they would um, be filming a mere five months later. Um, I cannot wait. I'm not going to get too excited for our next episode but you should be too Help is up next and they were already thinking about it Um, 8 Days a Week has got to be one of the most ear candy um, tracks on the album this melody is one of those things it's just like a forever melody once you hear this once you're going to remember it forever you're going to hear it forever you hear it once you know what it is Am I wrong or what? Let's hear it right now. Keep it in for one love more second. One more second. Okay. I mean, it, it, is it cheesy to like this song? I don't know.
1: I, it's the incredible thing is that no, this wasn't a single. This was just an album track. You know, right, based, right. based on like the the earlier the, the first
4: like few al- couple of albums, they seemed to start off with like a banger of a hit and it seems like odd to me that this is on the beginning of side 2 as much as i like no reply as an opening for the album yeah. it seems like this could have easily been this, yeah side a
0: song one it really makes you wonder um how much george martin was really tapped into the mentality of the band at the time because he, i from what i understand he handled the the uh, uh song the the arrangements of the of the songs and the album and to choose to not start it with kind of what would have been the single um if things didn't go the way they did it's it's strange and and i don't know it's 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 i like that the fact that they started it's a, it's a way to start side 2 that sure, may be sure. a little sleepy this side 2 may be the weaker side of the album yeah.
1: it doesn't have Mr moonlight on it though
0: okay <laughs> what point okay it's true right so 13 takes um the they didn't have the uh, middle eighth or um, the intro I guess when it came to time to record this. this is another one where they worked out the middle eighth basically kind of on the fly which I find
3: uh amazing right. And they came up with a pretty iconic intro, which ends up being the outro also in studio. Yeah. Right. Um,
0: that's another thing that the way it's kind of brought in, the the volumes kind of like raised up on it. That's yep. another thing that um is credited as a um studio experiment, as limited as an experiment as it may be. <laughs> yeah. That is that Fade is faded in. Right. That's often credited. And that
4: sweet, sweet. Crazy feedback that blew my mind
0: earlier. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. You know, sometimes when they would play, uh, uh, I feel fine live. The feedback could go on for like 25, 30 minutes. Right.
5: They just be standing set.
1: up there. Just. When, so yeah, it it's it's like, was. A, it was a method to drown out the women, the
4: screaming. Right. They just fed. You know, back rip all the screaming a low, a like. e. hum.
0: Uh, so
3: next the other f- cool thing I think about that intro. By the way, the guitars are doing the cool little chords, but Paul's doing that cool little like triplet bass line, which just one note, but it's over it is, is kind of different than much of anything else. Right. On here.
0: And is it like it, a lot of some of his notes feel like he's playing it like harmonics style? And I'm not sure if they're double I don't I never know what they're Maybe. double tracking or you know, whatever. And oh oh yeah, or would they double track the I'm not sure if the Vocals on that track were uh, double tracked, either, uh, but they Ooh. certainly sounded like it. Um, and I guess it's a good time to mention I I I think what makes some of the early double tracking unique before it went to automatic double tracking is they weren't perfect. Like there was inflection on um, on some tracks that weren't on the others. So it was like it was sounded like yeah. four different people singing in a way. Um, I don't know if that made sense or if you were following that, but you know,
1: yeah, it's just they a weren't always matched up. Double track singing,
0: right? Yeah. yeah, I'm not a singer. Uh, so, oh, perfect segue that I made for myself. Uh, the next track is "Words of Love," uh, recorded on that October 18th session. <laughs> In two takes, this is a Buddy Holly cover from 1957. Um, Buddy Holly is uh, credited for being the first singer in pop rock music to double-track vocals. I'm, I'm not sure on
4: that detail, but I'm just, just thinking about how influential the Beatles were to musicians to come. Like, they were influenced by Buddy Holly, so, you know, you got way more props here for buddy holly
0: right so in my exhaustive deep research uh that i do um what i found was the hollies uh, i'm sorry the buddy holly 1957 original was the first pop song to feature double tracked vocals let's hear it yeah let's hear it Thoughts about Buddy Holly or the Beatles' uh, cover of this.
1: Of all the um, you know first generation rock and rollers, he seems like the one uh, who had the kind of like self self talent in and of himself, completely self contained. Of, yeah, yeah, a self contained performer and writer and singer, producer, uh, producer. Yep, yep. Uh, who could have you know? It's just like I would have loved to have heard this heard the psychedelic. Buddy Holly album. Oh man,
4: it's yeah. a shame for real. What what would but, Buddy Holly sound like if he got handed that joint by Bob Dylan? Yes, that's yeah. what I was
3: just thinking. Because
1: All Bob right.
4: Dylan was that one of these uh He would have
1: called the cops. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Fucking square. love <laughs> Lubbock, Texas? I guess they're pretty uptight there. True. I've, I've, I've never been. I wouldn't know.
3: <laughs> so, as for the Beatles version of this, I'll say they went way overboard on the hand claps. Yeah. The hand claps are very aggressive. Yeah, they're like eighth note hand claps, not quarters like they <laughs> usually do. <laughs> no, truly. They're, they're
1: using a double handed clap method where you <laughs> do like
0: this. And, <laughs> right. Hey, you guys
1: remember Kenneth Toast, what's his name, who did the, the did the super fast clapping? You look it's him up rude. on the Similar,
0: <laughs> Similar. He's the
1: most he's the most famous hand clapper of all time. Uh, his name is Toast.
0: Yeah we'll link to toast in the uh, notes. <laughs> um I do I do like how they elongate out the um the words to, you know tell me what is and they really like buddy holly out the uh the fr- the the phrases like darling i love you, they draw you it know. Out. yeah just like buddy does. So they were trying to be faithful at least in the in the uh in the cover. Can we move on to Honey Don't? Yeah, Just we to no- to? yeah, we gotta. Yeah, we have to. We do have to knock it out. You know.
3: I know. If I have a least favorite on here, it's this one.
0: Same here. Same here. Um, I normally don't mind a, a Ringo track. I find it kind of endearing and charming. And you know, it is hard to play the drums and sing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever really tried it. Um, but again, um, it's uh, it's a cover. This one was recorded October 26th, not during the 18th session. Five takes to get this one out. Uh, and this was also tackled during the last day of recording for um, the album proper. It's a Carl Perkins original. They were... All fans of Carl Perkins, most um, notably George. Um, He was a huge fan of Carl Perkins, and it comes through in his guitar playing. Uh, Let me see what I have queued up for Carl Perkins real quick. I'm not sure which one it is. Let's see what we got. Oh, it's this one.
2: Say you will when you won't. You tell me you do, baby, when you don't. Let me know, honey, how you feel. Tell the truth now. Is love real? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, honey, don't. Well, honey, don't. Honey, don't. No, honey, don't. Hey, honey, don't. Say you will when you.
0: Carl Perkins did this way better. Um, yeah.
5: <laughs> Ringo's
0: Ringo's delivery in this one is has got to be some of his more rougher singing. Uh, just across the board. I can think of a lot better Ringo uh, deliveries than this. We got to hear at least the tiniest snippet of it. I'm sorry. Please. Honey. It's not don't. my fault. I, I, we have to. We have to. Jesus, it's not my fault.
2: Well, how come you say you will when you won't? Say you do, baby, when you don't. Let me know, honey, how you feel. Tell the truth now is love real, but I'm hung.
0: So I'm going to say the best um, part of the Beatles version of Honey Don't is is the guitar playing. You know, it's pretty skillfully handled. Uh, I'm not sure if it's George. We can assume it is, but, you know. Okay, okay. (laughs) It's probably George. Probably. We will get to some... Yeah, I don't know uh, for sure. ...a a track later that I am highly skeptical of the liner notes. Yeah. So the original to this song was the B-side to Blue Suede's Shoes. Um, So, yeah, a major, major track uh, by Carl Perkins. John used to perform this one when they did it live because it was one they did live during the Cavern Days and the Hamburg Days. John had the vocals during those. Yeah, John would do it. And I could could see him doing, uh, because he he has like a, a pretty decent Elvis Carl Perkins, yep. um, of uh, you know he can fake that pretty well, and I would I would actually I could imagine him playing that at like the Toronto festival that I would love to hear a blasted out on heroin version of Honey Don't <laughs> uh, by fucking Lennon, um guys fucking I don't have too much to say about this one anyone I don't either no let's move on all right so the next track. Um, one of the first uh, tracks that are kind of like uh, little little hidden gems here at the end of the album. Uh, we have Every Little Thing recorded September 29th and 30th. Nine takes to bang this one out. Um, this one was written by, okay, very unique uh, here. This was written by Paul. For John. And I can't really think of too many other examples yeah. of, of that. Mm. And I can't think of one example where it went the other way, where John wrote something for Paul to sing. I, I can't think of that off the top of my head. Uh, if yeah, you can. We'll, we'll
1: discover that. We'll discover that as we go, if there are any examples, but I don't think there are.
0: Right, right. Um, this song is poss- possibly about uh, Jane Asher. Uh, it's. It's, it's kind of a positive song, but another kind of like maybe kind of a bummer song about her. Um, yeah. It, the the timpani like accents are very um, unique. I like them. Leo brought up an interesting thing uh, the other night when we were talking about this song. What were you saying, Leo? So,
4: you know, the worst sound in the world is is a timpani. That's
0: not and true. And then I played the song, and I was
4: like, oh god. Um, I actually don't, I thought the, the, the timpani took away from that like crowd rocky beat. That yeah. You mentioned it was crowd rocky. I, I just wanted to hear that beat go like that dirty beat keep going. And I would have loved to hear a version of it, not accented by the timpani, even though the timpani does add like quite a, a big element of, uh, like grandioseness that the Beatles would tend to that we'll come into later on, you know?
0: Yeah. It's more produced with the timpani. Yeah. uh, You know, I, I like it. Um, and again, it's, I've I feel like I've fucking just repeated myself over and over again, but this is another one of my favorite Beatles songs. And again, you're only allowed three. No, I can have as many as I want. (laughs) And this one happens to be hidden on the backside of this very obscure album. We're gonna hear it.
2: When I'm walking beside her, people tell me I'm a Yes, I know I'm a lucky guy. I remember the first time I was lonely
0: without like a her. weird drum pattern on top of it, too. Yes, wall of soundy too
2: right I
4: get it the timpani is cool there Yeah, but I would love to hear a version of it with it removed if anybody has those musical capabilities
0: we can do it here at the studios but we're just not going to Um, I just feel it's (laughs) like (laughs) um, are they being inspired by like Phil Spector course they are with that like i mean it's just like that wow, wash of especially here boom, boom. Uh, it's yeah, it's different. it's a big it's a big sound yeah, it's washed out um i love it man I,
1: yeah this is a great beatles deep cut
0: um
4: geez okay so after hearing it like even closer with headphones on just now like i i, I get what it, the timpani adds? <laughs> I retract my previous statement that I don't like it, and I will just reinforce that I just want to hear a version of it without it, just for my own. Like,
1: I get it because it has a it has a very smooth, floating beat. It's just that a, you want it, you know, and then there's this yeah.
0: accent on it. Eric, did you have something to say about another artist that may have covered this at a certain point?
1: Uh, Yeah, yes, did like uh, it was their first single, the band yes, the progressive rock, Uh, and it's like nine minutes long or something or six minutes long. Oh, it's It's,
0: the nine minute version. I'm seeing five to eight and a half minutes of it right now. Oh Jesus Christ! Let me see what I found.
1: Five and a half minutes. So they did blow it up.
0: This is how it starts
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of them um, no okay there's a lot of like prod preamble
0: oh jesus christ it's strapping <laughs> all right okay no i'm listening yeah, like i'm two listening before they get two to, uh, minutes get to the
1: This was one of several Beatles covers that Yes would do in their club
0: days. You know, I find this upsetting, right?
1: I'm glad I'm here to make you squirm on this podcast. That's that's what makes this podcast tick. Is when I can find something just like, oh, Jason doesn't like this. I'm going to do more of it.
0: <laughs> I'm listening. I've been. Tr- can I scan two it's minutes it. forward?
3: No, it says here, and it says here on Wikipedia that they also reference Daytripper in the intro of this.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. let's, oh, so listen, let's for that. listen. Yeah, let's listen for it, everyone. Fucking a.
4: Looks like typo negative. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is the 130 mark. Um, when do you say vocals kick in, Eric?
1: Pretty soon. It's coming up for sure.
0: Okay, here we go. There you go. Yeah, there you go.
5: There's
1: that. Yeah, I hear
0: it. There's the day tripper. Oh my god.
2: People tell me I'm a kid. Oh Jesus. Yes, I know I'm a lucky guy.
0: (laughs) I remember the first time. Okay, so you can find more of this on our Spotify playlist. I refuse. To have it bring the energy of this fucking podcast to a weird level. Energy,
1: (laughs) my heart is pumping, man. I got the prog blowing in my veins now. This is like, it's not my fault that you guys are completely like ignorant of uh, progressive rock uh, greatness. I am rolling a twenty. Is Jason annoyed? yes i am rolling is, a is 20 a sided episode? die
0: i'm rolling a 20 sided die to fucking rebuke your yes spell <laughs> <laughs> uh, but guys every little thing is fucking awesome um and even the yes version i will go back and listen to uh to that on my own time Epic. yep and you can hear it on our spotify playlist.
1: Well this is also this is like the obscure side of yes because this is before Rick Wakeman, before uh uh who's the fucking guitarist (laughs) Jesus Christ. Is there original guitarist? Yeah, before Steve before Wakeman, before Steve Howe, uh Pete Banks the original guitarist, so uh yeah, it's no it's obscure somewhat in yes canon.
0: Okay, so a contender for best song on the album? is the next one this
1: this is a major sleeper for me i mean Eric, it's so unassuming it's so unassuming like take, it, the, wheel on, about take it. the wheel like, on this one i don't want to spoil the party i i don't know what it is i don't it's i hear the birds in this i hear a ton of west coast la buffalo springfield like to me this is like the template of that golden honey california folk rock sound like this country and western as it is like This is the kind of hybrid that becomes folk rock to me. Like, um, I don't know what it is. Like, there's nothing that's going to hit you over the head in this song. It's just a really perfect self-contained little song with the harmonies, the guitars, acoustic and electric layered. You know, it's just it's all there. I love it.
0: Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of it right now.
1: Well, you can hear Last Train to Clarksville as well. That's yeah. where it
0: is. Yep. I don't want to spoil
2: the party, so I'll go. I would hate my disappointment. I love this one. And song. again,
1: with the, when Paul's voice shoots up, you know. Yep. Kills. So it.
2: I will disappear if she turns up while What I do, and she's not there. I wonder what went wrong. I waited far too long. I think I'll take a walk and That's look for her. And here it comes, her it comes, here it comes. Here yep. it comes.
0: That's amazing harmony. Just
1: turn that up. Just turn that up as loud as it goes. That is seriously, you know.
0: And during yeah. that uh high harmony part, is there like an additional like drum boom, thing in there?
1: Boom, boom, boom. boom. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: it's sick, man. Um so Beetle Magic, Beetle Magic. Perfect example of Beetle Magic. I don't want to spoil the party. It recorded September 29th. Uh, this was originally written for Ringo to sing, yeah. so I can't imagine that. I mean, such a fucking no. It's got so waste. much vocal,
1: vocal, you know,
0: well, uh, here, power in it, right? But what they would fireworks, what they would often do with Ringo tracks, but what they didn't do on this album was overlay it with fucking harmonies, double track yeah. harmonies, boom, boom. And I could see you know, how they could like... maybe would have tried to pull that off with this, but I'm so glad they didn't. Um, so, again, right before help, here we hear we have John writing lyrics that are very uh, personal and have a lot to do with his um, his personal life, and he tries he tries to hide it. He tries to deny that that's what he's writing about, but especially after the fact, he will admit that yes, I was indeed, it, uh, you know, cry, crying out for help, a literal literally. And this is and I think that's why he wanted Ringo to sing it to try to like cloak his pain that he was going through um in in you know having writing that, that
4: separation of having someone else sing it.
0: Right, yeah. right. Um it's very it's another song that's very country western sounding. Um it sound like it's it, it's Yeah, it just sounds like the Bakersfield sound to me. Um, We didn't really touch too much on Buck Owens, but it's another Bakersfield sound which will be a a thing that I bring up on Collapse Out. We're gonna dive into Bakersfield and Merle Haggard and and all that fucking shit. Uh, The guitar solo on this is very Carl Perkins-esque who they cover twice on this album and Ringo's uh, snare drum is tuned uh, as as high as fuck. <laughs> want to oh, move? I didn't know that. Yeah. It just it's very snap. It's super snappy. What do we think? We're so close to the end of the album. I feel like I, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, <laughs> what you're doing is next. That's exactly uh, what uh,
4: you're doing. You're spoiling it.
0: I am spoiling it with what you. everybody's trying to be my baby seriously well with what you're doing or with what i'm doing uh recorded september 29th 30th and 26th for very good reason uh what you're doing is a very unique another very unique song on this album uh it's a very paul focused song uh as simple as it is only with three chords uh the recording of this song, um, by all reports, drove Ringo and George crazy. And it leads me to think that Paul may be playing both of those said parts later but, on. Like they refused to <clears throat> play whatever he No, wanted. but Paul, maybe this is one of the first examples where he was doing a um, Smashing Pumpkins thing, playing all yes. the instruments coming in, maybe during that uh, break in time that we see there. Um, Because if you listen to the drums, um, the hi-hat is extremely closed at this point. Ringo will close his hi-hat eventually, but he's not closing it yet.
1: He's not Um, slamming his left foot down on the...
0: And that's the the other thing. And it's a very tight um, get-up-and-go sort of, but not Ringo's get-up-and-go fill pattern that Paul would kind of use later on um, in Abbey Road. Um. Yeah, it's it's very unique, and then again, the guitar part seems very um. It's it reminds me of the Velvet Underground in a weird way, the way it comes in. Should we just hear what? Yeah, I'm gonna get this fucking up and going here. But I think Paul is maybe playing drums and um, lead guitar on this one. Is it speculated? Is it widely speculated? I may not be the only person to be thinking that this is what's going on. (laughs) Very raw nets. Yep.
2: What you're doing Hold on, wait, right here. True,
0: stop okay, so a couple different Paul things. Tour de Force. Yeah, absolute Paul Tour de Force. I, I really think he took the lead on this. From the guitar to the drums. But... Did you hear that last descending um, vocal line? It's very George Harrison pre-Indian um, Raga sort of style, right? Yeah. Am I the only one hearing S- that? S-
1: sustained note, descending scale. It's definitely got that feel.
0: Right, right. Um, so it's another one with sort of like dark lyrics for for Paul. Um Just like, look what you're doing. That's that's enough. It's this is, they're off the whole love trip. I want to hold your hand. I want to. It's like, boys. (laughs) Yeah, we're not talking about boys anymore. This is starting to get a little a little gnarly. Um, you mentioned in the last song, um, every little thing. It sounded kind of remind you of like the California sound, the '60s sound, the Laurel Canyon sound. I would And this one as well. Yeah, dude, this, this has a
1: go ahead. 12 12 string kind of um you know, the way the the lead works against the vocal and works against the rhythm is is really anticipating the birds. Uh and this is the this I mean I think it's Chris Hillman has said like this was the album right. that was like we got to get back into rock and roll, you know. Yep,
0: right? drop so. the banjos, drop the mandolins and start Thinking about well, rock and no, roll. not so much
1: this album, but Beatles '65, mm. which right. mostly absorbed the material from this album.
0: Can I also give you just a, a little weird thing uh, about uh, what you're doing? Just yes. let, here, I hope you can hear this.
2: Please lock me away and don't allow the day here inside where I hide
1: with my loneliness. so you think they, they use this as a kind of a template <laughs>
0: do I think Paul and Gordon uh, were highly Peter influenced and oh Peter sorry Peter and Gordon Peter, Paul, and Gordon? you could have corrected my notes <laughs> no, you were privy sorry, to the I fucking you know. notes no, thank <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> <don't> <laughs> you fuck so i Take two. So apparently, so I mean, uh, do you not hear the? No, it sounds like fuck. It sounds like they used it
3: as a
0: template.
3: Yeah, I love that song, "That World Without Love."
0: Yeah, it is a good song, but I can, you know, it's you can hear the direct influences Mm. for sure.
3: Yeah, and when you talk about the birds too, like that guitar intro of what you're doing is, yeah, it's like the birds just took that guitar intro and said, hey, let's do a bunch of stuff like this. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I was trying to find whether it was Mr. Tambourine Man or um, Turn, 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 but it was just all of them. I'm pretty sure they just made a clear out of that opening (laughs) riff.
1: You know, I mean, I've often heard that people who buy a Rickenbacker 12-string, though, they buy it, um, they're disappointed, like, hey, this doesn't sound like the the birds enough, (laughs) like... But the sig- the signature sound for the birds was plugging the 12-string directly into the board and then slamming like an Altec compressor, you know, so it's really squeezing the notes together. Like, it just it gives it that oh, glassy no kind of sound. So, right. you know, the, the, I guess they uh, they make specialized compressors for 12-strings for now, you know, in the boutique world of effects. Oh, no
3: shit. That's what's so, really going on there. What I'm just noticing too right now is that McCartney wrote World Without Love.
1: Yeah, it says he wrote it when he was 16. Uh, another, and going another...
3: They wrote, they they did it.
1: Yeah, no, no. that's So he wrote I, that I one that too? You guys didn't, you brought yeah. up World Without Love without acknowledging that it was a Lennon-McCartney song? Or a McCartney level. Yeah, I didn't realize it until
0: just. I now. didn't know either, man. Thank you. Well, let's go back the, and
1: say "World Without Love." Well, wow. I was—that's why I was saying, like, oh yeah, they used it as a template because, like, wow. they. Uh,
0: they gave well, that song it's them because it's yeah. well, them. Yo, you can all see these notes beforehand, so, right? So Any of just, this stuff. Any time you want to fucking,
1: to whatever extent, world without love is sounds like notes. what you're doing. It's okay because the Beatles wrote both songs, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> your delivery on,
3: on,
0: on that well was just too lines. dry. <laughs> we all see these fucking notes ahead of time, right?
3: <laughs> hey, I only got them yesterday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, I just didn't. Yeah, Ugh. whatever. Let me just say that we're <laughs> some of the foremost experts on Beatles in the world, and nobody, <laughs>
0: the nobody else. The could editing be doing that this goes into this and, is amazing. Yeah. Okay. That's, so it's
1: going to be hard to make us sound like we have any kind of a fucking. <laughs> it idea happens.
0: It happens every time. It happens every time.
3: <clears throat> yeah we we'll just cut that part out
4: are we gonna have to come back tomorrow and re- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're record this. <laughs> again
0: so everyone's trying to be my baby is a very strange choice to end this album I think um, it is. I will it always is. I will always be a champion of a George uh, led track whether he wrote it or is covering it or not I love George But again, kind of like a weird energy. Um, This one they tackled, obviously, during that October 18th session with the covers. Um, And oddly, even though this is ending the album, this was the first cover they attempted during that uh, session. Um, George, as I mentioned before, loved Carl Perkins. Uh, When they would travel early on, uh, George would use Carl as an alias when he would check into hotels or whatnot. Um, I watched a few versions of George performing this live. He, He is obviously a fan of Carl Perkins' guitar playing, singing, his whole deal. And I feel like George took it seriously every time he sang it live or in the studio. Um, so it does have at least that. So let's hear. And it. I have to go ahead. I want to
1: say George sounds like peppy and upbeat on this. He doesn't sound morose.
0: That's you know? the thing, and I'm not sure it's if it's the extreme vocal, um, over you know like double tracking, slapback, whatever they put on him to make it sound like he had a personality. Um, but it certainly sounds like he's <laughs> Is he not. <laughs> but it sounds like he has um, He has a turnip cut th- You can hear the turnip in this He looks think. like
1: one of the Gallagher brothers <laughs> Dressed it up and they call it me like
4: They're the smashing uh, Smashing trying to be,
1: my
4: <laughs> what? Trying to be my Two brothers smashing Morgamans
2: Smashing Last <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's
5: trying to be my baby now. We'll look
2: up to... a woman. I don't know if I have Carl Perkins' version. Didn't stay late you
0: know again George at least sounds alive we haven't heard him since um don't bother me um, two albums back um yeah I I miss George and I'm glad he is getting a chance to Kind of shout out and uh, promote his one of his his favorite artists, Carl Perkins.
1: Yeah, Carl made a lot of money off the Beatles. It seems like you yeah. know,
0: right, right. But again, kind of a, a an odd ending to an album. Uh, but I, l- I love this album. I will I will always stand for this album, and. I hope we did our part at least to draw some attention to this album outside of, um, you know, Beatles 65. um, We're not... Jesus Christ, there's so many Beatles podcasts. We're obviously not the first uh, (laughs) ones to bring attention to any of these tracks. um, But we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Up next... We have help. We are getting out of 1964 and drifting into 1965. We have another Beatles film and soundtrack coming up with the amazing and introspective help.
1: I spent Uh, so much time dreaming about Eleanor Braun in my room with the curtains drawn.
0: Oh, my Christ. Help is another thing that I will drag Leo through both audio and visually through help is an amazing movie um and soundtrack um leo
1: mccurran leo mccurran from the prisoner
0: <laughs> he is
1: the next guest
0: there <laughs> there are many highlights long
1: dead but we've we got him, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we, him back.
0: we literally dug him up from the grave
1: you can check out our uh, black magic Podcast.
0: (laughs)
5: Yeah. (laughs) We
4: create an actual zombie. Uh
0: No, but help... Sort of a living homunculus. (laughs) Right. Uh, But help is next. Uh, We do have another guest coming up. Do you know who it is, Eric? It's one of your friends.
1: Uh, It's a friend of mine named Steve Neinhauser from a band called House and Hawk. uh, Several other bands, and he runs a label called Heavy River that Leo and I uh, made an appearance on one of their label concerts. So... Uh, it's uh, he's a friend of mine, and I think he'll uh, get along well with this
0: podcast. Yeah, it's really hard to fucking intermingle with us across the board. Uh, Al, I am so I glad. had a really hard time with it. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Both. Um, no, it it was tech. It was, tech with tech. It was <laughs> tech, mostly tech a, problems. It was mostly a tech tech issues. But Al, thank yeah, you. yeah, but I brought
3: those, not you guys.
0: Thank you so much <laughs> for uh, joining us. Um, you're no my problem. good my good friend and. Um, a musical companion, um, mostly from way back, though. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you want to promote? Uh, what band are you in right now? What's going on? Um, not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your can...
1: personal brands?
0: Any personal brands? Yeah. Or, uh... Just me in general. All right. Great. Uh, we hope to have you back. Uh, I know you are a pretty significant Beatles fan and have pretty deep musical knowledge i hope you join us on just whenever you ask you're
3: you're welcome back anytime for sure
1: yeah good to have you on definitely oh
3: yeah i i will come on for any any and all that i'm welcome to come on i can't wait a good time can't wait to have you
0: back um eric do you can you pull up our socials please if you don't
1: if you don't mind i am gonna gonna make a bumper I'm going to do the bumper after because I got to start making dinner like in like five minutes. So I'm going to, I'll clean up the ending and make it sound nice. You're going to handle this,
0: the edit on this one too. So nice of you. Great. Yeah. No worries there. All right. (laughs) right. Here, let me just pull an ending out here. All right. So thank you for joining us uh, this time. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Al. Thank you, listeners. Please join us next time when we are dealing with help. We need need help. Help Help us. See you all next time. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Flaming Pie. This uh, podcast was hosted by Leo, Jason, and Eric. Thanks to special guest Al. Uh, You can find us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at Flaming Pie Pod. Playlists at spotify.com user slash leo.coronado5. Uh, search for us on Patreon. Search under Flaming Pie and we should come up. Uh, and any questions, comments, harassment, or abuse at flamingpiepod at gmail.com. Thanks again.